users. And cool, I think we're good. Everybody ready? Got your drinks? Yep. And we are having food come in. Uh, so, welcome to the show. Uh, today's a special epi episode of, uh, you know what, I'm going to try that again. <laughs> well, you get to do that, too. Uh, well, I I'll put the outtakes in so everybody knows. <clears throat> All right, everybody, let's see. Just as long as we can clean up everything we say, too. Well, we do try to keep the clean tag in place. <laughs> okay. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, this is a special episode of Politic Boom. We are doing a roundtable, and I have four guests with me today. I have Kelson Young. Uh, Eddie Zimple, Derek Brown, and Mike Miller, all of whom have been on the show before and were actually gracious enough to come back so that we could handicap the political scene in Montana as we're going forward. And Mike, I understand that you have a spreadsheet that because I didn't tell you what the topic was, you did not bring with you. That's correct. <laughs> I did not bring it with me. I do have one. But you, so you put together the spreadsheet every election cycle or? No, I just thought I did, did for this one, just for the heck of it. Huh. Do you remember enough about it to tell us what it's got? Or Basically, it's a list of all the candidates from 2010, or 2008 and 2010. It lists the total number of votes they got, the percentage Republican versus Democrat, how the district looks. Oh, very cool. That's some useful information for everybody. And Kelson, you're still running. You have a campaign going. Eddie, you lost your primary. And Derek, you're still suffering at the county. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess let's let's start with one of the bigger races that's going on. Um, and Dustin Hurst and I talk about this last week, but it is you know one of the more interesting races that's happening. Uh, the AG's race. We have on the Democrat side, Pam Busey is running, and she this is the first time that she's run for office. Um, she's been on the show. She was delightful. And on the Republican side, we have Tim Fox, and this is the second time that he's run for the office. Um, and it was a very close race last time. So who wants to go first and dis dissect the race? I think a lot of it's going to depend upon the voter turnout. Really? Absolutely. If the voter turnout remains as it was in 2010, I think Tim Fox wins. If it goes back to 2008, then I think Pam wins. Hmm. Or if you look at the primary vote turnout, just to see how underrepresented Democrats were in the primary vote, obviously that's concerning for those of us Democrats, hoping that Pam wins. Um, but absolutely, voter turnout will play a big part in it. Well, it sounds like voter turnout's going to be a big problem or a big issue all the way around. Let's start. Let's back up then and talk about voter turnout and see how it is. Because I know I, I did see the Democrat numbers. I haven't really looked at the Republican numbers, but I didn't think they were bad for the primaries? Not, not terribly bad, I wouldn't say. But it doesn't have the, the force of 2010 with the Tea Party? If you look at the 2010 general election versus the 2008 election, there were about 92,000 less Democrat votes, about 13,000 less Republican votes. Oh, wow. And I've heard, I mean, sorry, I didn't bring stats with me, but off the top of my head, some of the... Um, De Democratic Party people I've been talking to said that, you know, Democrats um, failed to turn out on primary day by 40 to 50,000 votes compared to Republicans. Not that it's fully indicative of what will happen in November, but that there was some concern about kind of low voter turnout on the Democratic ticket. Hmm, interesting. And I, I think that uh, when you look at the districts, those people that, that those districts that had more than one Democrat or more than one Republican, they had a lot of people turn out. I know my, my race was 75% turnout. Um, but it's, it's all about who goes out and works the hardest and, and turns out those people. And it, 
it's I a lot of work is on the candidates. I think in Montana to get people to turn out. So right, and there's the whole you know trying to get people to turn out for the vote. You've got to convince them that it's worthwhile. And I wonder if some people are suffering from burnout. <laughs> I know that the, I was definitely feeling very burnt out after the last session. I didn't want this election cycle to come around. So well, and with all of the um, you know politics on TV and radio and everything else. People may or may not even burn out further with all of the money being poured into advertising. I mean, already we're you know six seven months out, and every commercial is a political commercial. And yeah. you know, I don't know that that dictates people's voter behavior, but it certainly makes people annoyed with the process. <laughs> um, and hopefully, we'll have good voter turnout either way. I think um, there's so many major ticket items that uh, people who vote will turn out. But how it'll play out and who wins, which um, particular race, we'll see. I think if you looked at the primary turnout, though, in the presidential cycle when you have an incumbent, uh, that party's probably typically going to get lower turnout. Yeah. And a lot of that, a lot of that primary vote kind of focuses on the presidential race. Ah. So you have an incumbent, so there's no reason for a Democrat who's already only interested in the presidential side to, to, to vote in the primary. Mm, that makes sense. If you go back and look at other times when there's an incumbent in office, you probably see the same thing. Very cool. So, okay, so back to the AG's race. Other than voter turnout, what do you think are the big issues that people are looking at as far as you know choosing between the two? Because I know both people, and I actually think they're good people, but I know that there's one issue that absolutely has me picking one person over the other. But I'm a special case <laughs> in this and so many other things. <laughs> so... Hmm. Well, I think the influence of money in politics will obviously play. Um, amount raised, but also the amount of advertising available. I think that for the Tier B tickets, it's going to be difficult to get airtime. And whatever airtime there will be, it will be expensive. So it'll depend on who has enough financing to reach voters. And you don't think the message will be more important than the... I think that it it will, although, um, you know, both candidates will speak to their base, I assume. Um, and the Attorney General's office, I think it's a matter of the average voter understanding what all happens within that office and being able to understand the specific issues um, for that particular candidate. Gay marriage is going to be a hot topic probably in that race, I would think. That would be the one that throws me uh, into a tailspin of crazy, yes. Um, I, I, I think it'll be interesting because, as we all know, the Democrats had finally, well, okay, maybe everybody doesn't know, but the Democrats put into their plank that they, they're for full equality, which was pretty amazing. Um, and that happened Pride Weekend, or right before weekend Pride before Weekend. It. And then on Pride Weekend was the GOP convention, um, which is why I didn't go. <laughs> um, and... Uh, they removed the plank that caused them so much problems in, in the last election, which was the recriminalization of homosexuality. They didn't come out for it, but they moved to a neutral stance, which is fine by me. If you're going to be neutral, I don't have a problem with it. There's plenty of other things that we can worry about in the world. It's when you open your mouth and actually attack the issue and make it such a big focal point and you're on the other side that then I have an issue. Well, has Tim Fox taken a position on gay marriage? Uh, he did exactly a week ago, actually. <laughs> But then it's, it's a legislative issue when it comes right, right down to it. Well, so you're talking about the AG race, it but ultimately it's a legislative issue. Yeah, but you're also talking about if it comes down to, is he going to defend the Montana's constitution in a way that actually damages Montanans, or is he going to let it? Because we're part of the Ninth Circuit, so if Prop 8 gets destroyed, 
our constitution gets altered by it. Um, well, it'll probably be interest or influenced then by what the Supreme Court decides, which right. should be out sometime in July. So things could get interesting. They could, Eddie. Uh, I think it's this hard. That race is going to be really hard. Uh, it's this year. It's it's down the ticket. It's not any. It's in the middle of the ticket. So, uh, to be completely honest with you, I I voted for Tim Fox when he ran last time because um, mm. I didn't know anything about the candidates, and I think that it's going to be hard for. For either one of them to get their message out, um, though I'm I'm more involved in democratic politics now, um, but I think that's going to be a huge challenge for them to to reach out to regular Montanans to to show where they stand on things. So. Right. Well, and the two of you that are running, how are you guys coming up with the whole? Um, you know, there is no airtime, obviously, and I don't know that you've ever done TV ads, have you? Well, you can't buy people's doors, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I mean, Eddie said it, but as a local legislative candidate, all you can do is knock and direct voter contact. You know, maybe in more rural districts, it's phone calls or letters or whatever. But certainly, you know, for our races, actually that sort of big picture stuff other than you have to decide in your budget if you're going to invest in TV time, which, you know, um, there's still cable and <laughs> things like that. But I certainly think that what I'm more concerned about um, is just voter fatigue, like people who you want to go out and engage with them on the doors and they're just so, you know, bombarded with political messages that sometimes they are, you know, maybe not in the mood to talk to you simply because they're just tired of it. Um, but certainly, you know, whether or not we have airtime is really dependent upon if you're going to be willing to work hard and work the doors. Right. And you're not actually running a race, but you are helping it as much as you Mike can Fosbet with Mike's race. Yes. And how is that going? He's I'm trying to get him up, move a little faster. He's trying to get up to speed. <laughs> um, but I found when I ran, it's, it's four years ago now, but uh, I still think the door to door is probably the most critical, most important thing to do. I had some TV ads when I did mine, but uh, mm -hmm. and my advice to Mike when you look at him, you talk about issues with the AG race. Just just from my own perspective, looking at running, um, it's maybe five percent about issues. It's probably a little bit more about do you seem like a nice person, and it's probably about eighty or ninety percent marketing. Mm. Right. Because you can't, especially the bigger the race gets, there's no you can't have personal contact on a on a very large scale. Right. So it's you're presenting someone, and, and realistically, when you look at the population or anybody here, if you don't have a specific issue you're interested in, how much do you know about all those other issues? How much do you think the electorate, the, the people, really know about issues that are going on? Mm, yeah, well, it all falls down to the, the great Winston Churchill quote about uh, democracy. The best argument against it is spending five minutes talking to the average voter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I would argue, I mean, in my door-knocking experience, People have the issue that they want to talk to you about. It may right. not be that you want to lead with your issue, but every single person I've encountered has something. That, if they're going to talk to you, like if they're not busy doing something else, they have a particular issue. What's interesting as a um, state legislative candidate is more often than not, it's a local issue. Right. They actually want to talk right. about. So I'm like, call Derek, <laughs> you know, because everybody I talk to is like, I'm concerned about that streetlight over there or the lack of. And um, it's been interesting to try to engage with people about the level of influence. So as a state legislator, what would I actually have influence on? Because people have complained to me or not complained, but expressed concern about federal issues and local, local issues, getting mm -hmm. people to dialogue around a state issue that I could actually impact 
has been the interesting part. But everybody has something to say about an issue that concerns them. And interestingly, having been a commissioner for three and a half years now, my problems are a lot uh, dealing with the state issues. Right. <laughs> statutes that we have problems with. Exactly. You know, because people come to us with local issues, mm-hmm. and I say, well, we've got a problem with the statute. You know? Right. We're stuck. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it sort of flips back and forth. You know, yeah. From Interesting. Yeah, you'd think people would have a better handle on who's actually responsible for whatever the issue is if they're concerned about it. It's, but then I think about who I talk to with my issues, and no, that doesn't <laughs> happen at all. Right. Well, I mean, I when I was on the doors, I had the same problem. But you'd, you'd explain to them, well, no, that's not what I, I'm running for. That's not what we work on. But then they'll say, oh, okay, well, then then the swamp out back, it needs changed. You know, that's <laughs> okay. Well, Closer, closer. Um, so, Mike, how is your campaign going? I know we talked a little bit about it when you were on the show, but that's been, that was before the primary. Did you have a primary? No, I did not. Okay. And so now you are just gung-hoing it? And I'm not doing a whole lot yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's too hot. <laughs> who is your, uh, who is your uh, challenger? I have a libertarian, uh, Scott Van Devender. Uh, and that is the son of... That's the son of Ron, who's a libertarian candidate for governor. Uh-huh. Ron ran against me the last two elections. Okay. And, and then Everett Sheets over in Deer Lodge is a uh, prison guard and union steward, I believe. Oh. And I've, the, I've seen no action from him whatsoever yet. Interesting. And you've still got everything in place, signs and all that, so good deal. Correct. And uh, how is your campaign going? Good. You know, when you were talking about voter contact and knocking doors and all of that, I'm considering right now, you know... Uh, we have yard signs out, but actually making a decision about whether or not I want to buy a billboard, which is surreal as an individual person being like, yeah, I would like to put my face and name on a billboard. So it's interesting um, running for office because you are certainly more public than you've ever been before. And things are going well, but you know we're planning for the fall and deciding if we're going to get a billboard and that kind of stuff. So just trying to balance personal and political. Um, it's really interesting to decide to run for office and then to actually go through the process of making all these decisions that really um, are about you being out there in a way that you haven't been before. So um, I did well in the primary. Obviously, I'm um, running against an incumbent Republican. Um, and so it's a, it's a uphill climb but certainly up for it. And I think that people in the summer, especially around here, are not home. They're out at the lake or um, other sort of outdoor activities. So it's always interesting trying to find the right time to try to engage with voters in the summer because of the weather and just how much people want to be out doing fun things as opposed to talking to politicians. So There's a lot of people home, though. Yeah. 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 Unless it's changed in four years. But right. I, yeah. It depends on the time of day right. that you go. <laughs> But obviously gearing up for the fall and trying to just enjoy the summer as well. Right. And your campaign, this is your first campaign. This mm-hmm. is your second, yes? Third. Oh, it's your third. Does it get easier? Yes. So, <laughs> and, and, Absolutely and, it does. <laughs> you get a little more seasoned. You, right. You have the contact list already created, all that kind of you stuff. You have the signs from the last election. And right. So, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That's, and so you, you did the signs. They didn't have a year on them and don't have to worry about that. Just so the recycle seat. them. I was bummed because I just bought all these signs, but if they redistrict, my district will probably change. So if yeah. I end up running again, I'll be like doing a cross out and writing yeah. a new yeah. number or something. Yeah, my, you can always do the elect and then right. put re in front of it. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Nice. 
Okay, so uh, Age's office. It's going to be a close race. I think we're all pretty confident that that's what's going to happen there. I, I think it's going to be one of the more interesting races. Everybody else is like, oh, no, the Tester Rebrick's gonna race is going to be interesting. I'm like, no. Uh, mostly because Rebrick's involved. <laughs> it's not going to be more interesting. It's not going to get fun. more annoying. Uh, <laughs> it's already reached the level of if I have to see too many more ads, I'm just not going to watch TV. I, I just can't deal. Well, you will see more ads, so you're going to have to yeah, make a choice there because they're I'm, not going away anytime soon. It's gonna make, I made that choice quite a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, the, I guess the next one, obviously, that we probably should talk about would be the governor's race. Comments, thoughts? You know, I, hmm. I, I saw both of them speak to, to younger people, 18-year-olds at Boys State this year. Uh, and, and listening to both of them, uh, and no bias to me being a Democrat, uh, it seems that, that um, Steve has a, a more uh, ability, a bigger ability to reach out to younger people and, and somewhat uh, connect with them than, than Rick Hill does. Uh, Rick Hill, he's a very smart guy, uh, and he's more of statistics, I think, and he, he confuses people compared to, to Steve Bullock, who who can connect with you on a, a personal level, in my opinion. Hmm. So That's interesting. And I wonder how much the young voters are going to make a difference in that particular race. Shaking your head doesn't help people. This is there's, radio. <laughs> well, I think there's organizations <laughs> Shake it engaging. Hard the air, <laughs> yeah. I think there's organizations engaging young, ping, young people in a way that they haven't been, but it's still a matter of actually showing up. I mean, you know, uh, giving people a reason to vote. Uh, comments Mike Derek see now it's not fair because Mike did all this research so he's going to quote some more stats and, no, I, and I, come with the numbers all I did was have some Senate I'm anecdotal well I, I think a lot of it just, just depends upon voter turnout in that race also uh, mm-hmm. I kind of agree with Ed that I think the younger Steve does come off better to the younger voters but I think he's going to have a problem with land board stuff which hasn't really been brought up too much yet I think Obama had quite influence because of the whole the BlackBerry thing to start with, mm-hmm. the connection, the the social media stuff that mm-hmm. completely changed since you know that's been only four years ago. Right. Uh, so, and I think that at least my perception is that that is more of a youth-based issue, the, the social media, and and contact uh, so right. maybe people get stirred up in that regard. Yeah, I think it's more than just being able to communicate. It's that Steve has a social media presence and. I wouldn't know if Rick Hill does because I'm not on Republican email listservs, but I'm assuming yeah. somewhat. I mean, they're um, talking about young, you know, youth getting involved in the whole process. Yeah. I think that has changed because of that. Mm-hmm. Because of the, the whole um, interconnectivity with people in the last four or five years. Even the, um, the um, stuff going on in Egypt and, and, and the Middle East. Mm-hmm. A lot of that's all based on this uh, different types of communication that go out there. So it's a whole different world than it was in that regard. It's a different world than it was even four or five years ago. You know, what's interesting about that is that I look on my Facebook and, and I follow Republicans and Democrats and pretty much everybody that I know. And I have to tell you, the most active people on Facebook are my mom <laughs> and her friends. And they're really into it. And they, you know, they pass a lot of information. They've got links and posts and all sorts of stuff that's going on. So you know, the thought that social media somehow empowers youth in a way that it doesn't empower anyone else, I call bullpucky on because I see so many posts from these people and it's it's amazing. I think I think it's great if I could get past it, <laughs> you know. 
I think that, that now that I think about it, it might be a downfall at the same time for young people because it's easy to click a button, but for some reason it's really hard to drive down to the polling place and vote. Um, which oh. I, I guess is the reason why why Democrats seem to push uh, mail-in ballots a little more. It's more convenient, uh, and and people have more time. That'd be super cool to, if you could just vote online. Aside from the particular race coming up, just a little statistically from the uh, the primary, the voter turnout on mail-in ballots was in the eighty percent range. The voter turnout from the, 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 the polling on the polling place was in like 20, 30%, because the average was about 45%. Hmm. But it was really high on the uh, mail-in ballot side. Right. So, but the problem from a county perspective is that we have to pay for both elections. And it's getting to be, you know, it needs to be one or the other. So do county people generally support mail-in ballots or? No, I'm just saying that the, uh, there, were, there were about half the votes came from mail-in ballots, half came from the polls. I'm just saying, but as a county it? official, would you save money if it was Oh, it would be a lot cheaper to mail-in, mail-in. yeah. Plus so it's $30,000 to, <laughs> I know 30, about to run issue. that election <laughs> for about 7,000 people came to the polls. It was $4 a vote. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm a poll voter, so I've been a yeah. holdout on mail-in ballots for a long time. But I do think that in terms of access and voter turnout, it's appealing that the numbers are so high that it's cheaper, all of that stuff. But I just can't, personally can't get over the fact that I like to go to the pool and go it's through that process. Social, so. Socially, it's a nice issue. Yeah. Oh, see, and I'm, well, and I've never seen the socialization. This is, you know, because I'm in Helena where apparently you go to the poll and you're being punished, then you have to go to the principal's office, which is right down the hall. Um, but when I go to the poll, I, I had to go to the poll for the primary because for some reason I had checked the box, yes, I'd like to be an absentee voter, and that little checkbox was a lie, and I never got my absentee ballot, but I was very upset about that. And almost didn't get to vote because I was going to be on a film shoot in Billings, um, yeah. which I worked really hard to reschedule so that I could be here to vote. So I get in there, and, you know, I, it's 10.30. It's not like it was that early in the morning because I just don't get up. Mm-hmm. Hmm, not getting up early to go vote. I'll go vote, but I'm not going to get up early for it. And there was no one there. You know, it was me and the, the three ladies on one side that were handing out the ballots and then the one lady who was collecting them. And I was like, all right, I, I, I don't know about the social issue that happens. I had a funny story. I showed up at the poll to vote, and the person I'm running against showed up at the same time, and we literally voted next to each other. <laughs> That's social. But um, I think, you know, I, I grew up in a small town, and, like, going to vote was an experience. Like... You saw people, it was like the whole process. Like as a kid, my parents brought me to the polling place and I stood there while they, so I think, you know, obviously it's something that could evolve over time and people get used to something else, but there's something about the action of voting um, that I think is really cool. Although I have all these reasons why I think mail-in ballots work too, especially when I think about what the ballot will look like in November. As a candidate who's probably gonna be on like page three, I would like for people to be able to take it home and read it and review it and be thorough because even I, who am an avid voter, almost didn't turn over the ballot at the primary to vote on the things on the second side. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be three or four pages at this point with all of the initiatives. So I do think people can be more deliberate when they have more time with it. So I'm hoping that that doesn't affect people's willing to vote down ticket. You know, Helmville, they've done spaghetti dinners after... You know, right. vote and pay your five bucks and get a spaghetti dinner for a fundraiser, or the kids will do pie and coffee and that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. that's cool, and and that sh- that should happen more often. If we're going to continue poll voting, it should be an event. But 
And I don't know how they do it here in Lewis and Clark, but Silver Bow, I, I find it annoying to go because you go to the Civic Center, everyone in, in the county goes. and it's, One place? It's a, it's a disaster. Wow. Um, Parking it's, must be a nightmare. It's, it's not, it doesn't flow. People are confused when you have uh, 18, 20 districts where people don't know what district they're in. And everyone's standing in line to, to find out where they vote and then have to go find out where that spot is. So uh, that I, would be a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the discussion we've had here about consolidating districts. So that's decided by county, huh? We haven't done it, so there's a lot of polling places in Lewis and Clark County. And that's why it's expensive, because all those people get paid. Well, yeah. And you have all those, you know, all these different areas. And yeah, as I recall, Lewis and Clark has, is it 350 election judges they need? Something like that. It's a lot. It's huge. Know. And you guys pay all of those? Because Silverbrook County Mars is volunteer. Um, no, man, they don't get paid a lot, but there's a base, you know, there's a, you get paid to do the, the election judge show. The other problem is aging. I mean, the average age is about 75 or something. <laughs> it's just, you know, you don't, you don't get young people wanting to go out and be election judges. No. Very true. I don't want to be one. Um, <laughs> I'd like to know what the election is. Do not want to be an election judge. Don't want to count either. Holy buckets. So Back ha- to the AG race. Okay. I'm not the AG, the governor race, though. I, I do think that one thing as a voter that I've been like searching more for is actual content about where they stand on different things. I would love for that race to get a little bit more complex where we were hearing particulars about you know, what they would prioritize in a budget or what particular issues um, that they're, you know, standing on um, as a candidate. So I, I just hope that that race turns into something of a little bit more substance. Well, the they've both been months. invited to come on the show and talk about those things. Yes. I've received no calls back. Well, and I'm sure this would be the place that they would reveal their entire plan for well, being governor. It doesn't have to be the but only place. But I just think place. that, you know, I mean, I, I do think that what happens post, you know, Governor Schweitzer is important. Um, that's it's been a eight years of something. So I just think it would be really good to hear more from them about the particulars. Obviously, Raquel was in a multi multi way primary, um, but now that we have the two candidates, it would be great to hear more. Yeah, um, hit the Republican primary was a nightmare. It was delightful watching their debate one time. <laughs> Uh, we're going to have an hour-long debate. Y'all get six seconds to answer. Mm. Um, Sounds like the Democratic House primary. <laughs> definitely. Um, so the do we think that it's going to be close, or is it going to be lopsided and we just don't see it coming? I think it's I close. I think they're all close. I think it'll be close, yeah. Okay. Are there any races that we don't see as close, especially land board races? Superintendent, public instruction, I don't think, but really? I might be biased. I also don't think the Secretary of State's going to be close either. That's the one that I really hope isn't close. <laughs> I do think it's funny. I don't know what happened on the Republican side. I don't know how. Who is the final person? Brad. 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 Okay. I don't know how he got. <laughs> I don't even remember. Uh, I don't know how he won the primary. And um, Name recognition? He's had the job before. Yeah, but he had the job and really didn't do a great job. Oh. Well, it's one of those. He had the job and after he left, there were so many things that came out that he had done that were illegal and unethical I don't understand how the, I don't understand how he can run again that's one question I really don't understand how he won the primary it's just it, I'm not a it, Republican Mike <laughs> I was personally surprised by the uh, difference in margin between uh, Scott and Brad for mm-hmm. sure yeah and Scott ran a pretty decent campaign Scott worked his butt off absolutely so I I don't know 
I, I, I wonder if he did as much campaigning outside of Lewis and Clark County as he did here, or... He was all over the state. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't think Brad was out there too much, but... No, I didn't see any... But name recognition's got to do something in that race. If you look at last, last time, McCullough and Johnson, I think it was like 52, 48. Mm. So there again, it could depend upon voter turnout. Mm. It's all within the margin of error for the polling companies, which that makes them so happy. Um, so, superintendent of public instruction, don't think it'll be close? I don't. Okay, why? Well, I, I just think that Denise has done a really amazing job. She's um, been really great on fundraising. She has a lot of very kind of public um, programs and policies that she's promoting, and there just hasn't been much from the Republican candidate. And that's Sandy Welch, right? Sandy Welch, correct. Well, and the last time I saw a sign for Sandy Welch, it was outside Denise Juno's fundraiser when she parked it. So I, I think she's doing some things that are that are not good uh, or not the as productive as they can be. Mm. Um, so I think she's really got to work on that. And I don't, I don't think it's going to be close either. Um, but What about uh, Derek? Any thoughts? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Where yeah. is Sandy from? Uh, Flathead. Okay. Is it more prominent up there? Does she have more exposure? Do you know? Haven't been up there, so... Yeah. Hmm. Well, and it's hard to tell right now. So we have the, the interesting law that requires us to go around to pick up all of the political signs until 60 days before the election. So There's if you drive... There's stragglers out there I've noticed here no, and I think there. it's 90 yeah. days. Or is it 90 days? Which, all I know is that all the signs have to disappear, so now I've forgotten who's running where because I have no idea what's going on. Well, you need great. to define what an election is. Is it the day the absentee <laughs> ballots get mailed out? In which right. case, you don't need to take them down because you can go 30 days after or 90 days before so you can leave them up. Just sort of overlaps. Well, let me tell you from experience, it's a real pain in the you-know-what to put them up, <laughs> take them down, put them up. It takes a lot of hours to get those things out, and then you go around and you pull them up and they're all broken and... The wind this season was just killer for yard signs. I replaced yard signs like three different times at people's houses because the wind just knocked them over, over and over and over again. In my rural district, I had roughly 20 sign locations that I put up for the primary, not Mm -hmm. having any opponent or anything. Hmm. I drove 290 miles to take them down. Yeah. (sighs) I know. Think about all the time we we, um, invest... And uh, yard all signs. The, all the gas you've wasted. Oh, my That's gosh. Thing. Um, speaking of signs, though, there was an interesting tweet that you had, Mike, which was about uh, the governor's race on the Republican side, um, O'Hara's signs. You had talked about uh, the areas where his signs were. because I don't know if anybody remembers this, but Jim O'Hara's I signs were signs. hand-painted. They were so cool. Uh, the, the county courthouse buildings. And they're phenomenal. I, I don't know where. I hope somebody the, holds on to those and like puts them in a you know museum or something. Well, <laughs> a lot of them are still standing because yeah. I think they qualify as art. I mean, you can just take off the O'Hara part and it still it looks really cool. Well, it's just signature. He just signed his art. That's all it is. But he so there's no political statement no, on there. It's O'Hara oh. for governor. Just cross out the for governor. It's right. O'Hara wrote that. Yeah. They were yeah. really great. I have to give him kudos for that. Yeah, and you had said something about. No, did you check this to see where his numbers were highest? Were they in areas where the science got the most traffic? Or? I looked in, in my district at two precincts where he had signs either very either within. I had one about three miles from my house, and then down in Deer Lodge. And but both those precincts he did far better in than anywhere else in the, in the district. Hmm. So, well, so, if you drove by that pretty thing every day, you'd probably be influenced too. You know, I mean, if you're not really paying attention to a lot of things but you are thinking that that 
shows investment and uh, time spent, and I really thought they were great. Well, I mean, he had them up really early, too, and, mm-hmm. and uh, he even got PBS to, to follow him around putting some of them up. I think he, that showed that he was actually willing to, to put in his own time to, to run for governor, which is what you don't really see a lot of these days. He had some good, interesting commercials, too. <laughs> there have been many interesting commercials that have gone on. So, okay, so nothing interesting in the land board seats. Are there any parts of the primaries that caught you off guard? I mean, other than Brad Johnson winning, that one threw me for a loop. I don't really know anybody. I'm interested it. from the Republican perspective if Rick Hill was expected. Rick Hill was? Definitely expected. Yeah. Hmm. I picked him at 35%, Miller at 18%, and got them both. Nice. I figured Livingston would be... Somewhere around twenty to twenty-five percent, and his mm-hmm. what eight to nine percent. I think it was kind of surprised me, mm. but outside of that, wow. Hmm. Rick has name recognition again. He was the rep- you know the representative right. for Montana. Um, it's amazing how le- that goes a long way if people mm-hmm. aren't necessarily watching. Not not to knock Rick, but I mean he has an advantage having that out there and having that history. Mm-hmm. Right, and he you know he kind of falls into the category of elder statesman right. because of that. And when he left, he didn't leave because he was. Uh, being unelected, he left for health reasons and you know, left on a high <coughs> note. And, Did he serve in public office before being a congressman? Like, was some other office? Did he hold some other so. office? I don't remember him holding another office um, either. I just couldn't remember if he had had even a longer history because he was only in Congress a couple of years, right? Yeah, I think he did one, maybe two terms. Two terms, yeah. Interesting. So um, I guess we'll go on to the uh, national races, the the very interesting ones. Do you want to talk president first, or do you want to talk senator? I think we know where president's going to go in this state, so we could probably move on past that one. Where do you think president's going to go in this state? Uh, I think it's Romney's going to Romney's going to get it. I mean, he's going to be here next next month. He's definitely going to spend time on it, and from what I've heard, Obama's not going to really give Montana the time that. That it needs. I mean, he's going to have to put a lot of time to win this state. So, I don't think he's as popular as he was four years ago. He didn't win four years ago. So, yeah, forty-nine, <laughs> forty-seven, four years ago. I mean, I don't think Obama will win Montana, but I hope and think he will win overall. Mm-hmm. And is where do you guys stand on it? I think it's close. I I think it'll be close this time too. I guess at a national level, I would, I would say Obama again. I hope so. Um, I have plenty of issues with Romney, um, mostly because whatever answer you get out of him, it changes, and it's like I don't even have to like the answers that you give. Just give me an answer and stick with it. So. Well, I'm interested because I do think that you know there's, a, and this is all from the outside perspective. I'm a Democrat, that's clear. I've registered as such as a <laughs> candidate. But, um, you know, I do think that Romney has this image of being kind of an elitist, and I wonder how that will play in this kind of new Republican base, which is much less like, yay, corporations and people with lots of money. So I'm just interested to see how that will play out in the general election. So are you going to the convention? No, I'm not. Don't expect that you are. Derek looks at me like it's crazy. <laughs> Way too much money for me. <laughs> well, that's the trouble. There's just so much money in all of it. Right. And Very it's true. pretty hard to But I mean, him as an individual, so he's kind money. of been tagged as this. You know, went to private school. Right. Shaved somebody's head. Hmm. Um, 
So it's going to be a close race. I guess we have to talk about it. Tester Reberg. Flip a coin. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the last race was so close that it was close. And um, Reberg is a popular statewide candidate. He won by a lot, many times. So as, as much good stuff as I think Senator Tester has done, I think it's absolutely going to be close. Mm. Same thing, very World close. Districts. I know both of them personally, and uh, they're both very good people. They've both done a good job, and that's what's, that's what's yeah. tough there. Uh, Denny's done a good job as a representative, and, and John Tester's done a very good job as a senator. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, what upsets me about the whole thing is I, just, I look at Reberg and I go, I know you wanted to be a senator, but just, you should have just stayed in the House. You had the seat locked up. It would have been fine. And you had seniority. You, right, you were rising uh, in the ranks of power, and you forced the state to give that up by st- by walking away and going after this other seat. And it's like, why would you do that? I am surprised by that. I mean, he he's the chair of a very important, you know, appropriation subcommittee. I, I am surprised that he decided to give up that seniority, but I think he thinks he's going to win. So yeah, other than having to run for office every two years, which is a real pain. yeah, right, true. <laughs> um, it's job he actually, security. <laughs> he, he in a way represents his more representation of Montana than the two senators because he's the lone representative right for right. the entire state. So but he represents more people. It probably is though, so he doesn't have to run every two years. Yeah, that, that's. I mean, the part if he was here, thing. maybe he'd say that. But <laughs> he may actually represent solo represent more people than any other person in the country. He does. He does. But the other thing is that he's got a small voice, and it's in a chamber with more people. Right. There's and, that. And he's also, if you don't have seniority in that chamber, you have nothing. And unless you have a coalition, so these states that have five and six representatives, they have coalitions to get power and to solidify them. He's on his own. For him to give up the seniority, which is the only way to get power when you're on your own, is ridiculous. And, you know, it doesn't do the yeah. state any favors. It gets him, yeah, so he doesn't have to run every two years, but he wasn't running that hard the last time he ran. You know, it's not like it was that out of line. So it, it makes me crazy because I look at what he, you know, it, is it good for him politically, personally? Probably great, you know, if he wins, certainly. Um, but if he loses, we've given up as a state uh, a boatload of power for nothing, well, for right. someone's ego. We've given that stuff already now, since he's gone. I think your mic might be dead. Is the light off? Yeah. My voice isn't. Mm. Eddie's voice is not important. Well, that'll give me a chance to actually get batteries for Eddie, which I've got spares of. I don't know, though. I don't think that, I mean, at least we saw in the Conrad Burns race that people don't vote just based on if somebody will maintain seniority. Um, yeah, it doesn't so. come away. I'm I'm interested to see what happens with this race. I'm also interested to see what happens when Senator Bacchus is back up for re-election. Mm, well, and Bacchus has been putting himself into the race now. He's been fundraising and all sorts of stuff. It's bizarre. Are you back? Am I back? Yes, Eddie's back. We will now be able to hear Eddie. Um, I'm not sure how much the whole recent health care decision issue is going to play in the River Chester race either. Or the Obama-Romney race, as far as that goes. Do you think it's going to be a negative for the Democrats, or is it going to be neutral? Depends upon which article you read. (laughs) (laughs) Some people are super happy, some people aren't. Yeah. But do you think it's going to be one of those issues that actually causes one side or the other to go out and vote? Uh, if, if, If that were the case, I would say it would probably energize the Republican base more. The, is it going to yeah. the Republican base as a whole, or the Tea Party especially? 
Race as a whole. Hmm. I think if they, they figure out which part of that they want to attack, they could probably, if they form a, a message, whether it's around the, the individual mandate, uh, it could be a lot stronger for the, the Republicans because they've, they've carried that message for the last few years, and I think if they keep it going, it's going to affect the Democrats negatively. Hmm. I also just, this is, again, just personal opinion, but... Democrats, we seem to be motivated by being the underdog as opposed to having won. So it's not like Democrats will be like, yay, we won, let's go vote. It's more like we have something that we have to, you know, fight against. So um, I think that the Republicans may be motivated by it because now it will be moving towards full implementation. And and there's motivation there to try to have people in office who would implement it in a way that they would want it to be implemented, I guess. Hmm. I think Montana-wide, there's probably several issues on both sides that are going to motivate voters to get out. We could have a, have a record turnout, potentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had the gay marriage issue, the medical marijuana issue, right. the health care issue. Uh, Citizens United, which that did qualify for the ballot, the mm-hmm. uh, constitutional amendment. That'll be interesting. You uh, think that motivates people to vote? Uh, well, okay, so here's my... I think my, people are upset about it. I don't know if that motivates Here's, here's my theory. I don't think it, it directly motivates people to vote. I think because it's there, though, and there's going to be so much money thrown into so much crappy advertising that's going to be cluttering our TV shows that there is a good chance that we don't will irritate... TV. There will, we will irritate enough people during the two hours of NCS and NCIS Los Angeles <laughs> that they're going to get up on a Tuesday and actually go vote. Right. Which happened... That's, that's honestly where I think it'll happen. They'll be like, these corporations are wasting money on this. I'm voting against them. <laughs> well, I have a question about that. Last time medical marijuana came up, I wasn't old enough to vote. So I didn't... I don't know if it energized the voters... It absolutely like it energized a particular sect of voters. And when if the you initiative hung Doritos out, they would show up to stop vote. Stop it. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it motivated people who hadn't voted before to vote. And I think this time, I'm actually not even clear about what is on the ballot yet with the medical marijuana stuff, but it will motivate a particular sect um, to vote. And there's you know, some talk about the fact that there are people who don't necessarily traditionally vote so non-traditional voters, um, which isn't a bad thing that they would vote. It just, it definitely is a motivator for people who wouldn't otherwise be motivated. Right. And I guess from what I remember, we still have certain referendums from the legislature that will be on the ballot, um, which, which are going to get those special interest groups to really push. Uh, I know that there's the, um, uh, the one around, um, Parental the, the notice. Parental notice. Thank you. That uh, per, Planned Parenthood and and on both sides of that are going to be pushing people to get out and vote one way or the other, and then medical marijuana. So there's going to be a lot of interest groups that are pushing people to the annoyance of of that they're going to go vote just so they don't have to to hear about it anymore. Hmm. What on the other side? Well, for motivation. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Other so issues motivating people. Oh, the whole healthcare thing will get people out voting for Reberg, I think, on our side. Be one of them. Now, what about HR one fifteen oh five, the supposed land grab bill that he oh. is in support of? Uh, do you think that's going to hurt him? Or sorry, I feel like I'm a host now. No, that's fine. <laughs> you guys ask questions. That's the whole point. It's supposed to be a roundtable, not me leading. I don't like to lead. I don't really have a good feel for that one. 
it's the the, the bill the the EPA I love how people own. get a name bills, right? So like <laughs> each side names it a certain thing and on the supporter side it's called one thing on the opposition side it's the land grab if that tells you anything you know well, so, yeah. so the basic premise is it gives how messaging miles matters. of northern montana to become managed by the department of homeland security because canadians are so scary um <laughs> the interesting part about it is i don't think you can actually do it because the way the law is written it conflicts with our treaties with the tribal lands that are in that area and it conflicts with them in such a way that it it would immediately we'd be it'd be in court that's all there is to it um, it's a very poorly written bill. It's got a lot of problems with it. Um, but it would basically take all that land, that entire swath of land. You couldn't hunt on it. You can't fish on it. It's not open land. You can't navigate the rivers, so there's no floating. You know, it's, it's a ridiculous bill. Why he would support it is beyond me. But they're also not making a big deal out of it. You know, we aren't. They aren't. People aren't. Well, some people are, and I think it'll motivate those people. Um, either the landowners who are affected or the general kind of... I've gotten a lot of emails from various environmental groups concerned about it, but um, I think it all goes back to who's voting for who, you know? Well, and I, I think it's going to have the same effect as what uh, Tester's bill a few years ago, the, the Recreation Act, that he wanted to close down mountainous areas all the way up the state. It, it got people motivated... In the ways that I don't think he wanted it to, um, <laughs> got the wrong people. Right. Motivated. I mean, my parents, who were huge Democrats, were were so pissed off by it that that they were at a point of just they're like, oh, we've only voted for one one ter- time, so maybe we just won't vote anymore. Mm. Um, but I think it it might have the same effect. I don't know, um, but it's kind of the same kind of thing. The Republicans called Tester's bill a land grab then, and now we get our own this time. So. <laughs> Interesting. So with the Republicans and the Democrats and the brouhaha that is the election season, overall, how do you see this election season going? Is it going to be fairly smooth, even keel, or is it going to be a nightmare? Well, it's interesting to experience it as a candidate. Oh, no, I want the candidate's perspective, too. Well, but, you know, as an individual citizen... I probably would um, tune out for the next six months and enjoy my beautiful surroundings and pay attention to the things that interest me the most and vote the way I always have voted. You know, I've always been an educated voter, but I wouldn't really have to pay attention, right? So it's interesting being a candidate because all of a sudden all these things that are swirling around me affect my little race. So um, obviously we have a lot of hard work to do and I'm just trying to like keep up stamina because you can get really overwhelmed with all of the factors that are outside of your control, right? You can just focus on what you can do and working hard and whatever because ultimately all these things that you're talking about, the voter turnout, who votes up ticket, down ticket initiatives, they all play into somewhere on that four pages, my name is going to be, and I've invested all this personal time and energy, please vote for me. You know, it's just like when I registered at the Secretary of State's office, I joked about wanting to like put a star next to my name or something and just be like, please draw attention to this particular set of words. Because ultimately, I've invested time and energy in a way that I never have before, you know, so it's... It's going to be a long six months, but um, I hope that the outcome is good all around. I hope that people who I care about and believe put forth good policy will be elected. I hope I'll be elected and that, you know, we'll survive the next six months. But it's definitely a different experience 
going through an election season as an individual person versus a candidate for public office and just coming to terms with all the stuff you have no control over. And that, same for you or? Uh, or now that you're on your third campaign and sort of smooth sailing <laughs> right. and, and you'll be out it's of like, the lake oh. until August 10th. <laughs> yeah. I'd agree it's definitely different being a candidate versus not. Uh, I feel fortunate the only TV I do is streaming, so I don't see all the, all the commercials. Nice. <laughs> I've seen one Tesla commercial on Hulu. That's right. it. Yeah, well, oh, they're on Hulu and they're on YouTube now and they're playing before things when you're just clicking around and I was very upset to discover that. Oh, one. boy. But I just stopped by the local tavern every now and then about news, news time at 5 o'clock for a quick brewski there and watch the local news and that kind of stuff and yeah nice. the, amount of, the amount of commercials i've seen right. just, are you kidding me it's only you know may or june right. or now yeah. july now yeah. it's july i can't believe it's, <laughs> it's like july can you wait they seem to be a little less for this month which is nice and so how is it you as an elected official that doesn't have to actually run your own campaign in this cycle is run it, my own is campaign it? i ran my own campaign last time yeah <laughs> uh, you know i look at the whole thing and and i ran for office is a county commissioner because I felt that the biggest impact you can have is on a local level. I still believe that's true. That's true. And the farther up you go, you know, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't born here, but I grew up in this country, learned all about the system. And you learn when you're in school, how the, the Congress makes laws. You don't hear much in school about how they divvy up the money. <laughs> that's what they spend most of the time doing is divvying up the money. Mm-hmm. And from the state legislature <laughs> perspective, true. the same thing applies. Most of those laws have zero impact on the average citizen. I mean, with all these issues that we're talking about, zero impact on the average citizen when it comes right down to it. What affects the average citizen is the money that comes to a local level. How much filters down? Uh, PILT money, I know, it just extended it one more year. Payment in lieu of taxes comes down to a local level. When it comes down to your rural area, is the road graded in front of your house? Um, you know, these are the, are the kinds of working? things. Yeah, the streets are working. These are the kind of things that, that affect the average person. If it doesn't affect them personally, they really don't care for the most part. And I'd have to say, in a lot of ways, I get worked up about things. But for the most part, you know, leave me alone. I can enjoy my life. Uh, things go. Uh, and the money side, you look in Helena. We just had a lot of money spent on highways in in Helena. All that money came down from the federal government. It, you know, it goes up, it comes back down again. Right. Uh, but that's what so much of it is about. Uh, we get distracted on these issues, and they're important. All the, you know, the little detail issues. One of the things um, that appealed to me, I'm a civil engineer. I remember distinctly when Obama was running, he says, well, we need to rebuild the nation's infrastructure. Well, it ain't happening, I'll tell you. Right. <laughs> you know, we're not paying attention to those things that affect local people. Mm-hmm. All the way down the line, it affects mm-hmm. people on a local level. And that's what we need to be paying more and more attention to. But we get distracted on all kinds of, whether they're protecting 100 miles of the border. Yeah, just horrible Canadians that are coming over. It's just a Well, you can't tell them from us. They look the same. Yeah, but they, got, they say A after everything, so you, <laughs> you can pick them out right away. <laughs> Welcome to the racist part of our show. Jingoist? I don't know. But anyway. the, you know, we're talking about the, the uh, health care The Custer stuff interchange that, is one of the best things that's happened to me in my life great, yeah. for years. But, the, you know, the healthcare perspective, um, there isn't, I don't think what's out there, what the, the Obamacare, whatever the, is, it's not a good system. There isn't, there isn't a good system. There hasn't been a good alternative proposed. Uh, and the healthcare just keeps getting worse and worse. From a financial perspective, people are falling through the, they're, they're, falling flat on their face through the cracks. Medical bankruptcies, exorbitant costs, exorbitant um, 
infra, or the um, administrative costs are out of just completely out of hand. Yeah, the legal costs. Uh, as well. So here we are in a country that has one of the wealthiest country in the world. Our healthcare is twice the cost of all, almost the entire developed world. Why can't we figure it out? Uh, you know, we need Medical to do a better well. job with it. Yeah. But it's the same thing. You know, we we have the dollar bill and we've tried coins. Gee, why can't we? Other countries did away with their $1 bills. Well, you know, if you take them out of circulation, they're gone. But other countries did it. Canadians did it. Every other country in the world Looney. got away. They realized that those $1 units were not working. So they took them out of circulation. Right. Well, we can't figure that out in this country. We, haven't I don't even, know we can't even get rid of pennies. No. <laughs> it costs everything's everything's it costs politically us, motivated. It's all tied up. It costs up. us more than a dime to make a penny. But yeah. So what, where's that. the sense in all this stuff? You know, we just need to... But we need to be more focused on what actually affects average, the average individual's life. And right now, it's the economy. Yep. And I don't know that government can help that. But somehow, as a nation, we need to figure out how to make that work. Mm, we do. Uh, well, we're coming up on the end of an hour, and I really appreciate everybody being here. And here, I forgot to mention this earlier, is at the Brew House in Helena. They have this wonderful space called Downstairs at the Brew House, which is brand new. It's really swanky. And, Very swanky. Um, they were kind enough to give us the space for today so that I could have a round table because I've never done this before. I have no idea what it was going to be like. And I'm like, ah, I could completely screw it up enough to delete it. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I really appreciate you all being here. I think it was actually really good. I'm looking forward to the political season. At, well, at the end of the political season, I'm looking forward to the last month when it's interesting and it makes sense and people are going to be invested in it. I do think over the rest of the summer, it's going to be a lot more of... You know, how can it, how has it gotten so far out of hand? <laughs> I just, you know, I want it to be better. So, again, thank you very much. Uh, my guests today have been Kelson Young, uh, Eddie Zimple, Derek Brown, and Mike Miller. Kelson and Mike are still running for office. Derek is holding office. Eddie will be running for office next season. <laughs> and uh, Good try. any other <laughs> final words for everybody or other than go vote? Thanks, Kevin, for having us. And I would say let's do this again in November and see if we were right about anything. Okay. That sounds good. Everybody game? Thanks. Sounds good. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you.